G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. I have to say my parents were slightly embarrassed about me. As from a very young kid, I hated getting a haircut. I just don't like that feeling of cold around the back of your head and kids will say, oh, you had a hairy. And I just didn't want that to be the case, you know. So that was just me. It's just my individuality, I suppose. And then many years later, like decades later, I started wearing a ponytail. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, to say that Colin Newell is a bit unorthodox is an understatement. His long grey hair is tied back in a ponytail and he has an earring on his left ear. Also, because of his heritage, he wears a kilt from time to time. After 38 years teaching high school students at a Christian school, he's retired now, but one of his lasting legacies is taking generations of students, including Eric Scatterbo's children, to Uindamu Aboriginal Settlement, about 300 kilometres northwest of Alice Springs. We'll hear his colourful story today as he has a chat with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. Colin Yule, welcome to the program. Thanks, Eric. It's good to be here. Glad to have you with us, and I'm looking forward to hearing the background of your life story. Obviously, you were the teacher of my children yes, for many years. Yes, true. And they went on that trip to Yuendamu. Yeah, they did, with 30 kids per trip, probably. Yeah, so over uh, 38 years, that's yeah, a lot of Right through students. that time, yes. Yeah. Over 30 times, yes. And I remember, changing the subject a little bit here, I remember at, I believe it was my daughter's graduation, or possibly both, you were wearing a kilt. Yes, the, true. Is that, is that what you do every year? True. I did. I did. Uh, my surname is a Scottish surname. Mm-hmm. And the Scottish Yule. kilt system works on your surname. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I believe so. So when I discovered that, I decided I'd follow that up. And Yule is a set of Buchanan clan, which is a huge lowland clan which in the days of swords, broadswords and fighting the English and speaking Gaelic, they would never have worn kilts. Only Highlanders did that. Oh, okay. Uh, crazy people. <laughs> Cattle rustlers, you know. Um, uh, but Queen Victoria popularised the kilt and everyone wears, well, many people do, and I decided I'd follow that pathway and uh, what do you buy a man who has everything? Well, you give him money towards his kilt. <laughs> and so I, I got a, a kilt. There you go. And now, high occasions. There you go, like graduations. Yeah. Now, I have to ask you, it would be very appropriate if you played the bagpipes. <laughs> no. No, 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 okay, no. I just had to ask. I had to ask. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we want to find out the whole story that led up to you being a teacher for 38 years, having a huge impact on so many students' lives, including my own children as well. So where did it all start? Let's go back to where you were born and raised. What year? I was born in 1946 mm-hmm. in Adelaide, South Australia. I was there until I was 20. Uh, I attended Norwood Baptist Church. I was baptized at age 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the idea, not out of my own head completely, of course, that you needed to make a public 
declaration of faith mm. for it to really work. Mm. You know, we're all as kids a little bit scared that God won't recognise us somehow unless mm. we go through jump through certain hoops. Huh. So at the Billy Graham crusade in Adelaide, I went forward. Mm-hmm. Um, very, I'd, I'd planned to do it, and I was ready to go, and I went and followed through on that. And I was a, I was a pretty faithful Christian or interested in learning. Mm-hmm. Sunday school I went to really majored on teaching Old Testament history mm-hmm. with the the aid of a series of coloured slides that they had accumulated, an astounding collection. So the story of David, the story of Samuel, the story of Elijah and Elisha, uh, the Exodus, a lot of Old Testament stories, and and some New Testament-like parables, I guess. Mm-hmm. Don't I don't really remember the New Testament ones very much. Mm. But interestingly, one of the themes in your life is your interest in history. Yes. So yes, yes. for them to teach Old Testament history, that's something that you really enjoy. Well, a blast from the very distant past. Public education then included a lot of ancient history. Mm. And believe it or not, not only did I learn the difference between Assyria and Babylon and Persia at Sunday school, but it was reinforced at school. Wow. In the schoolroom, yeah. you know, we learned yeah, about school. the Assyrians, yeah. the Sumerians, the Assyrians, the Egyptians, the Babylonians, and the distinction between them. And I have always been a bit of an odd fish, I guess, but I took all that so seriously, mm-hmm. you know. I really was earnestly concerned to not mix up the Assyrians and the Babylonians mm-hmm. and to know what the difference was and why and how it impacted. And at school... There was an awful lot of kind of a Old Testament crossover hmm. because this is the 1950s, early 50s, I suppose, and much of the history of the Middle East and our own heritage as a, a, so in talking Mark's Christian nation was was tied up in understanding of the Old Testament mm-hmm. in the same way or similar way that everyone in the street knew the parable of the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, today... If I hijacked a busload of people and held them at gunpoint and said, tell us your favourite parable, <laughs> some of them wouldn't know one at all. Mm. In those days, people knew a lot of, awful lot of strange, yeah. obscure background. There you go. So society has changed a bit. Yep. Getting back to your story, you were a Christian at 11 yep. years old. Yep. But then went through a little bit of a rebellious period, yeah. would you say? Yes, Yes. What happened? From when my parents moved to Melbourne, I was living independently. I formed a number of unfortunate relationships and they led me more and more away from practicing Christian faith mm. at all. And in school, what happened? I failed, well, I failed year 10 and had to repeat. And why, why did you fail? I failed because I was lazy. Uh, subsequently, I've discovered I wasn't unintelligent, but I was pretty stupid. <laughs> and um, please explain. <laughs> yeah, I did. I just didn't do anything that I didn't want to do. Mm. I didn't do any homework. I did English and history because they they were like falling off a log. They were so mm. easy. Yeah, and I always I shone in those classes. Mm-hmm. I got commendations uh, from teachers and so on. Gee, your general knowledge is very good, Colin. My uncle Arthur, bless him, had a marvelous library. And I, as a small kid, I used to pore over his history books with illustrations, 
And as I grew older, I learned to read the captions and to ask questions about why are these people doing these things in in this episode here. Mm. By the time I got to year 10 high school, I have to say I was interested in Nazi Germany, which was my historical interest, had mm. begun to focus on that. Mm-hmm. Ancient Egypt, footy, which is a national pastime in Australia, mm-hmm. especially the southern states, and girls. Huh. And those in, in that order? Things, yeah. <laughs> no, not necessarily. <laughs> not necessarily. My Christian practice overshadowed all of those, but once that practice went out of the situation, my life became really a bit of a train wreck, to mm. be quite honest. So you kind of drifted away yep. from the Lord in your yep. late teens, early 20s? Yep. yep. And eventually and moved to In the age of Melbourne. 20, I moved to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. I moved back in with my parents. I instantly reconnected with my church, with mm-hmm. the Baptist church that they were attending. I made a genuine and heartfelt recommitment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think for the first time in my life, really, it was well thought out, you know. Mm. It wasn't, you know, being frightened because my Sunday school teacher frightened me with mm. things and saying, well, I better do this, otherwise, oh, yeah. God's going to get me. Mm. Instead, it was making it a commitment of my own, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is the only sort of commitment that works yeah. in the long run. Yeah. So, yeah, back to church attendance. I, I soon found myself leading the youth group at by Morris Baptist Church, um, unqualified, but because I could speak well and I presented okay, and I guess, and volunteers are not easy to find in churches, Mm. Mm -hmm. and I was there, and, you know, there I was, being youth group leader. Didn't take very long before kids would come to me and they'd say, Colin, you know about history. We're doing an essay. Why did Truman feel obliged to drop the second atomic bomb? Mm. And I'd say, well... These are the factors. Mm. And they knew I, I was constantly spouting history. Mm-hmm. I just read a book on the history of modern Japan at the time. And I said, and don't forget this factor here. This was very, very important. They said, oh, okay, Colin. Off they went. All their teachers were doing the same thing at the same time, lockstep across the state. You know, they're all doing the end of World War II. Mm-hmm. And um, came back to me and they said, Colin, my teacher says that factor's rubbish. Oh, you're and wrong. I, yeah. <laughs> and I said to them, no, it's not rubbish. It's true. Your teacher is, he or she, is just not well enough informed about their topic. Oh, wow. And I was I was right, Eric. Mm. I, was, I remain right about that. And you were in your 20s? Yeah. At the time? Yeah, mid-20s, yeah. Yeah. And um, after my coming to Melbourne, I fell in with, bless him, a mentor called Harry Scott Simmons, an Anglican ex-missionary priest, Anglican priest, who was a chaplain at a major, very upper-class grammar school in mm-hmm. Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Harry was a wonderful man, a tremendous prayer warrior. He had a shared interest in Egypt, which is how we first of all met. Um, we spent a lot of time together, very regularly, and what a help he was. And eventually, he married Heather and me, mm-hmm. did the ceremony. Mm-hmm because he was qualified so to do, and he was so central in my life. Mm-hmm. We should say, as a side note, you've been married over 50 years Yep. now? Yep, 2023, 50th anniversary in August, that's correct. You're listening to The Story. 
Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with retired high school teacher Colin Yule about his colourful life journey. We'll hear more of his story, including why he has a ponytail and earring, when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Our guest today is retired high school teacher Colin Yule, who taught at Mount Evelyn Christian School for 38 years. And two of the hundreds of children he taught over the years were Eric Scatterbo's children, Wanda and Johnny. Now we'll hear more of his story as he continues his chat with Eric. So at this point, let's find out how did you meet Heather, your hmm. wife? As soon as I lobbed at Bowie Baps, I knew Heather. She was a very distinctive girl. She looked distinctive, she dressed distinctively, but she was 13 and I was 20. Yeah, okay, that's a bit know, of see? an age difference, so yeah. There was, no, yeah. there was no romantic yeah, thing yeah. at all, not at mm. all. Yeah. She was in my youth group. She was always a deep thinker. She is the most, one of the most intelligent people I know. Mm. She, beyond the obvious, she would think, you know. Mm. We, we were kindred spirits long before there was anything romantic mm. going on yeah. between us. And we... We'd spend time talking and it would be totally innocent, completely mm. and utterly. Yeah. So, you know, we grew up together maybe. I mm. don't know. And uh, one day when I was, uh, not what, what it must have been 1971, I went for a drive and um, I was at home by myself. My parents had gone away for a while and I was at a loose end watching rubbish movies on a Saturday afternoon. And... Here was Heather walking along the side of the road. I did a U-turn. I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm going to get some terps from the hardware store because I'm painting a cot. Her sister was having a baby and she needed some terps, turpentine. And I said, oh, I think I've got some at my house. So we went to my house, picked up the terps, came back. How old was she at this point? Oh, about 16, 17. Okay. Yeah, 17. I think 17. We hear she and I discussed this at our anniversary, actually. I think she was 17. Yes, that's right. And um, I said to her, tomorrow, that's the Sunday, I'm in a, I was in a small band, hopeless band, and we used to go around to church, after church coffee lounges, you know. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, I'm, I'm, we're playing at Dandenong, would you like to come? And she said, yeah, why not? So off we went, Sunday night, did the gig, uh, on the way home, we stopped at a block of land that I'd bought. I'd won $6,000 on a TV quiz. I bought, oh. a, I bought a block of land. Oh, okay. And a car. Interesting. That. Yeah. And um, history. Yeah. Topic, of course. And um, we sat on the on the block there and looked at the stars and talked about life, and that was okay. Hopped back in my car, drove her home. I thought, ah, I should open the door, the car door. So I went Be a gentleman. opened yeah. the door very, di- you know. Oh, smart move. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, oh, I should walk into the door. I walked into the door. Another smart move. And then it was a bit awkward, you know. And I sort of shook hands and that just seemed silly. Mm. So I did the thing. I took her hand, hid in my hand, kissed her on the forehead. It's a very dangerous move, Eric. Is it? Because within moments... We were in love with each other, oh. no doubt about it. It was just, and we've never looked, well, 
Have we ever looked back? Well, sometimes we have, but not seriously. 50 years yeah. of marriage, yeah, that, over 50 yeah, now. That, oh, that's, yeah. that's 71, 52 years that's been since, yeah. since that night. Oh, yeah. That magical night. And then there you go. Oh, that's a, that's a romantic story. Yeah, Thanks for is. sharing that. So at the time, you were working in insurance? True. And because of my contact with the kids and because of Harry encouraging me to think further that maybe there was more to me academically than had so far been demonstrated in mm-hmm. two tries at year 10 and a narrow <laughs> pass because the chemistry teacher set the same paper two years running. <laughs> well done, Mr. Heinemann. Um, yeah, I had done my year 12 at night. Two subjects one year, two subjects the next. Mm-hmm. Because the, the idea had been put in my brain that at the age of 23 and beyond, if you did four subjects in two years, you could apply to university mm-hmm. and you didn't need to have a maths or science, mm. whereas normally it was necessary. I didn't have either. But I could never think of going to university because- it was Well, I a- just wanted to interrupt here yeah. and point out the irony here. You've been a successful teacher for over 38 years, had, couldn't have passed your 10. <laughs> I just, oh, I see the irony. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a late bloomer, it sounds like. Kids are interesting, aren't they? When I taught year 11 biology- and I've done it with English too, but in particular, I taught year 11 bio because I was a new teacher and I teach bio. Mm. I was the only teacher on the staff that didn't have science in their degree, and I was teaching year 11 biology. Oh, an- another irony. <laughs> <laughs> and they used, to say to the, they used to say to me, kids would say to me, Mr. Yule, Mr. Yule, did you do biology as a student at, when you were at school? I said, no, I didn't. What's more, I never did year 11. Oh, they couldn't believe it. Oh, right. Cause thought, you, oh, yeah, yeah. You there was something yeah. seriously missing in my life. I had never done year 11, but I hadn't. I did but year yet, 12. There you were. All. I did year 12 by all. Yeah. Okay, so we, I interrupted there. Let's get back to you go to university. Yeah. Heather and I married in August of 73. Mm-hmm. The previous December, Gough Whitlam was elected Prime Minister of Australia, and one of his policies was that university fees were abolished. Mm. That lasted for his entire government's short and tumultuous time. Mm. And there was introduced a tertiary educational assistance scheme, which I could apply for. Mm. And we'd been married only weeks when Mm. Heather and I, we said to one another, you know, should I think about becoming a full-time student this late in my life? It was a a huge step Mm. for and I... On our wedding anniversary, when we were away together, I said to her, you know, you, you took a tremendous risk going along with me, quitting mm-hmm. a stable job mm-hmm. and a steady income for who knows what. But she said, no, Colin, I'd seen you teach. I knew you were intelligent. I knew you had teaching skills. Wow. She well, believed in you. She was an amazing person, isn't she? Mm. So that was still a, is, of course. Yeah, oh, she sure is. Yes, yes, she is. So there it was. I went to university and I did four years. So let's just back up yeah. a little bit. So you got your qualification for year twelve about ten years after you were high school age. Yeah, and are now experiencing a career change. Yes, yes. In your late twenties, mm. I should also say, and in seventy two. After the, before the election, actually, visited my best friend, my very best friend, a darling man called David Meadows who was killed in a climbing accident mm. 
78. Um, and I said to David, you look a bit down in the mouth. What's the problem? He t- said, oh, I, I did a year 12 subject uh, exam today and I think I failed. Long and the short of it was I discovered for the first time there was a subject called Biblical Studies. Mm-hmm. It still exists. It's now called Texts and Traditions in Victoria. And I wound up teaching it for over 30 years and I loved it. I loved mm. it with a capital L. Mm. And I said to David on that night, David, if you failed, I'll do it with you next year. Mm-hmm. So it came to pass that I did it the next year. And you loved it. Ah. Oh. It had three components in those days. Um, study of Genesis 1 to 12 or mm-hmm. f- 12, I think. The problem of pain, which has since disappeared from the course, and so is Genesis, actually, and the Gospel of John. Mm. Well, that was totally eye-opening for me. As Leon Morris, great scholar, said, the Gospel of John is like a magic pool in which an elephant may swim, but a child may safely wade. Hmm. How true. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's easy. It's simple. Oh, it's very way. simple. Yeah. But its, it's depth like is deep. unplumbable. Yeah. Oh, simple oh. but deep. Oh. Yeah. In fact, I've discovered that it's frequently the case that when people are doing New Testament Greek, they're given a Greek Gospel of John because it's pretty, it's very straightforward, mm. very repetitive. Yeah, uh, uses key words all the mm. way through. Very reliable. John three sixteen, of course. Yeah, yeah, the most famous. Yeah, Gospels sort of sort of bound up in it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we need to move along to the yeah, next sure. part of your life. Yeah, you go on to become a teacher. Mm-hmm. Now. Maybe this is a good time for me to ask you this, your appearance. Yeah. So you, as we were hearing, you know, coming from a more or less conservative yeah. Christian tradition, but yet uh, long hair, ponytail, earring. How did this kind of hippie-like appearance come yeah. about? I have to say my parents were slightly embarrassed about me. <laughs> I, As from a very young kid, I hated getting a haircut. I just don't like that feeling of cold around the back of your head and kids will say, oh, you had a hairy. And I just didn't want that to be the case, you know. So from a young age, you had long hair? As long as I can remember. Well, I didn't because I wasn't allowed to. Oh, okay. I was compelled. Oh, right. But as soon as you were old enough to choose for yourself. Yeah. And not because you're identifying with hippies or anything. No, no, no. You just didn't like haircuts. This is... Before the Beatles, let's put it that way. Before you know, the Beatles. Yep. Wow. So yep. you were cool before the Beatles <laughs> with the long hair. Colin Yule, I remember one of my teachers saying, Colin Yule, when your hair gets long, you look like Elvis Presley. Uh, <laughs> I don't know whether that was a compliment or not. But uh, uh, Mr. Campbell in the insurance office where I worked would sometimes... Yeah, I'm just seeing the contradiction. Uh, insurance office. Yeah, exactly. That says conservative oh, behind a desk and all that. Yep. Ponytail? I'm not, not seeing I didn't that. have a ponytail, oh, okay, right? right. But, but, but long hair. Mr. Campbell would call me into his office and said, Colin, here's $2 out of petty cash. Either go and get your hair cut or don't come back. Oh. What'd and I do? thought, now, I can't afford to, the, the, what would you say, the reputation of someone who got fired from, mm. so, you know, I went yeah. and got my hair cut. Yeah. I'd have my hair cut and I'd be in tears afterwards. Really? Yeah, I would. You really hated Literally. it that much. Oh. I just hated what that happened to me. Yeah, yeah. So um, when I became a uni student at, at the insurance office, I wasn't allowed to have a beard either. Um, oh, we should say yes. You have a long beard as well. Yeah, a beard. Not I keep it trimmed. Okay, a bit. Um, <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, so there, that was just me. It's just my individuality, I suppose. Mm. When I was a student at Monash, of course, Monash University, I could wear what I like, look mm. how I liked, yeah, yeah. as long as I didn't break any laws, um, mm. you know, and that I was delighted with that. And then when I got my job at Mount Evelyn Christian School, the school also, I mean, there were individuals who said, you know, how come you don't get your hair cut? You know, some, some parents don't like was, it. Was this uh, 70s or 80s? 70s, late okay. late 70s, mm-hmm. yes, wow. yes. And then many years later, like decades later, I suppose, I started wearing a ponytail. Well, it lets me know you're a colorful personality. Uh-huh. And hence, i uh, love to hear about your experiences. One of the experiences we want to chat with you about is your legacy of taking students yep. every year to the Uindamu Aboriginal Settlement yep. north of Alice Springs. How yep. did that come about? Yep. When I started teaching at Mount Evelyn Christian School, MEX for shorthand, mm-hmm. yep. it was a very, a pretty radical Christian school, you know. It didn't, you In what were, way? Oh, it didn't have uniforms, for one mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And, and we, it allowed students to have teachers with ponytails and yeah, earrings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. Uh, and, and really, the school really, really believed in writing our own curriculum and making it thoroughgoingly Christian. Mm-hmm. So, Everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't prayer at the start of the day and prayer at the end of the lessons or something like that. It rather, and, and nothing in between. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, related to Christianity. So, you know, in biology, it talked about the impact of Christian belief and mm-hmm. thought. Yeah, in, that's in, one of the things as a parent of students there uh, that I really appreciated. Oh, I the whole so. emphasis was on integrating yep. the Christian worldview yep. into everything. Okay, we're going to have to stop it right there because we've run out of time for this first part of Eric Scadabo's conversation with retired high school teacher Colin Yule. But we invite you to join us again next time when Colin will continue to share his story and why he was part of bringing generations of students to an Aboriginal settlement each year. That's all coming up next time. But before we end today's program that featured a chat with a teacher, I think it would be appropriate to share a few Bible verses about the importance of learning. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5 says, Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. Also, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 15 says, The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, for the ears of the wise seek it out. Well, once again, we invite you to join us next time for more of Colin Yule's colourful story. And until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Kids will say to me, I was at such and such a place and people were saying, all Aboriginals are. And I say to them, have you ever met any Aboriginal people? I've been to an Aboriginal settlement and that's, this is what they're like. They run their own radio station in Alice Springs. You know, they run a medical service, all of this stuff. Oh, that's, that's really a lasting legacy. And it does carry over into thinking about other cultures too. Colin Newell has retired after teaching at a Christian school for 38 years. But one of his lasting legacies is taking generations of students to an Aboriginal settlement north of Alice Springs each year. We'll find out about the impact this has had on Colin and his students as he shares more of his story next time. The Story. Just another way Vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks 
for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.